This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Will Gibney of Gilderland. At 17, Will has written a book about the dog that changed his life. Will's book, titled My Boy Will, captures his five years with Toshi in a narrative written for children, told from the dog's point of view, and illustrated with simple, expressive artwork created by Will. Will's 15-year-old brother, Dan, has become involved in the Canine Companions program that brought Toshi and Will together. Dan is now raising his third puppy for the program. You can email me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. Let's start with the dog and then move to the condition. You mentioned Tashi, and our longtime readers will remember a story Elizabeth Floyd Mayer did when you were just in middle school and first got Tashi. So tell us who is Tashi and why does this dog mean so much to you? Tashi is my service dog. Um, he means so much to me because for years he's been by my side. He's helped me. He's, I used to go into the hospital a lot for treatments. He'd always be there with me to ensure I stay calm. He just keeps me calm. He's changed my life. He's helped me make friends. He has, he's helped us give back to the organization by allowing us to raise other, other service dogs. He helped me write my book so, again, so it could help other people. Tashi has been life-changing, and I love him. Well, just so our listeners know, Tashi is lying right now at Laura's feet, and you would never know he is here. <laughs> he looks right into the eyes of Laura as if waiting for some sort of gesture or command, but he's perfectly quiet. And next to Will is his brother, Dan, who has also become part of this effort as a puppy raiser. So, Dan, can you just tell us a little about what what that involves and what you've done with that? So I'm on my third dog, Tenny, and basically what puppy raising involves is uh, taking care of them, grooming them, uh, basically just raising them for the first year and a half of their life. And we do it so we can change our change the life of someone like my brother or someone who came back from war with PTSD or amputees. And it's just amazing how much the, the dogs can help for the small part we play in their life. So how long typically do you have a, how old is the puppy when he comes to you? And then how long do you have the puppy? And there's also, so our listeners know, Tenny is lying very quietly by Dan's father and being incredibly well behaved for a puppy. So typically they'll come in for a year and a half and we get them when they're two months old. Um, and it's really sad when you turn them in, but you know that you're doing something amazing just to help one person so much. Yeah, that must be sad because you've been with that dog for a year and a half. Is it hard then to say goodbye? Yeah, but you feel a lot better when you get your new puppy and know that you're going to help another person after that. So do the people that get the puppies, and Will, you might want to chime in here too, did you keep in touch with the original puppy raiser of Tashi? And do these other puppy 
people <laughs> that end up with their service dog let you know how things are? Yes. The person that raised Tashi, do you think we would say her name? Yeah. Dr. Emily Zier. Yes. Dr. Emily Zier. She Dr. raised Emily Tashi. Zier. She raised a lot of service dogs. Oh, she's a family friend. And Tashi... I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that she raised Tashi because without her, I wouldn't be able to have him. I, now I know one of my questions for you was who you dedicated the book to, and now I know. So just if we could now jump into talking about the book, and I got it from Kindle, but I printed out the pages so that I'd have them. But um, what I loved, and it really surprised me, Will, is when I first started reading I thought it was like the boy's voice talking, and I thought, this doesn't make sense. You told the whole story from the point of view of Tashi. What gave you that idea? It's a kind of a combined idea with my mom to have it through Tashi's point of view. And when I thought about that, I'm like, hmm, I can make some very clever things like making, portraying a vacuum as a monster, and like, <laughs> yeah. and like, See, view, looking into the mind of a dog because they, because of CCI, they told us well, canine companions now they told us what motivates them, and I could like put little jokes in. So that's what decided me to make the point of view of Tashi's, and so it all, and also to make it so that people without conditions can kind of see what happens to people with the conditions through the eyes of well themselves. Yeah, it really, really works. You get feeling like you're inside the brain of the dog. And you mentioned the way you portray these things from the dog point of view. And you did all the artwork for this as well. Well, tell us about yourself as an artist. How did you start start drawing and, and thinking like that? I have, Well, from a young age, I've always been interested in, art, interested in art. And in school, I always draw. Drawing helps me pay attention. I don't know exactly what age I started taking an interest in art, but I know from a very young age I've been interested in it, and I draw a lot in my free time. Well, your drawings are just wonderful. What I love about them is they're so simple and yet so expressive. They just, like I'm looking at a page where it says, when my boy Will was sick, a change would come over his body. So we see this face of you <laughs> from the dog's point of view it's like he's looking up and it's just the way the eyebrows are and the mouth going down a little that you can tell you are sad it's just so simple and powerful so um tell me just a little about pans you use that acronym and if you could just unpack that because i had never heard of it before and I bet a lot of people reading this book are going to be acquainted with it for the first time through your book. Will's looking at me. Okay. <laughs> Might this be a question that I can I know, answer? Right ahead, Laura. So pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome is what PAN stands for. And that is Will's condition. And what that means is as a very young child, Will is also immunodeficient. And less than 20% of children who actually have PANS are also immunodeficient. So he was double whammied, if you will. So his body was unable to produce the antibodies necessary to fight infection. And he was chronically infected with both bacterial and viral infections. And so he spent lots of time, like he said, um, getting infusions to try to build a healthier body, seven years of long-term suppression therapy on antibiotics, supplements, 
probiotics, and then also medications to treat the symptoms that he was presenting with. So we now understand that PANS is a form of autoimmune encephalopathy, meaning that there is a process in the body that inflames the brain. When there's inflammation in the body and there's inflammation in the brain, then we get behaviors. And the behaviors can often look psychiatric. And that's why there's such an issue of misdiagnosis with this condition. And given what I do for a living, being a child psychologist, I was blessed early on in my career to have come across two children who had the diagnoses. They weren't being properly treated because there was so little known about the treatment back you know, 20, 21 years ago. And that's why when, you know, Will started presenting and I saw this, I was not going to accept what some doctors locally were suggesting, um, that this was all behavioral, that there must have been some trauma that he experienced that was causing this, um, that we don't know how to treat PAN, so it can't possibly be that. Um, and we pushed harder and we found the national experts who were understanding and were treating this. And we took him wherever he needed to go across the country and we found, I always say, angels in our path. There were people who were put in the right place at the right time to guide this. And since then, we've had numerous kiddos in the Capital District properly diagnosed. We've had some um, neurodevelopment neurodevelopmental diagnoses rescinded and changed because instead of requiring long-term treatment with an antipsychotic medication or an antidepressant medication, these kids needed treatment of the inflammation of their brains and the infections in their body. So a 30-day antibiotic instead of six years on an antidepressant is tremendous. And often it's high doses of ibuprofen to bring down the inflammation of the brain. But then we get our kiddos back because the kids who are prone to this and the current estimate are that one in 200 kids will experience a PANS flare in their lifetime. If they are misdiagnosed and that treatment is misguided, it sends them down a very scary and dangerous path. And, you know, one of the things that was so important to me, Will drew all the time. I don't think that he's properly <laughs> expressing. It was nonstop. And once he got Tashi, he started drawing dogs all the time. And he also has an incredible imagination, voices and scenarios. And he would do things from dogs' perspectives. And you could just see the humor come out in that way. And that's why I said, you know, well, this book should be written from the dog's perspective. But it was a long time before he was ready to really put voice to what he experienced, especially when he was in the thick of treatment. And that's why, you know, here we are at 17 and this book has has come to fruition at that point. But if you look at the book and you see the pictures from when he was 12 and in the throes of treatment and there's my one of my favorite pictures in the book is him laying on his stomach during training that was going on and on. And the dog, as soon as they were matched um, with his head resting on Will's back because he would give him sensory input and pressure, deep pressure whenever Will was working and that would help him organize and focus. Wow. Well, it is certainly serendipitous that he had you for a mother, because without that, I hate to think of what path you would have taken, Will, and what all of the things that your mother just said so expertly, which I found shocking, the one and two, the 200. I mean, that's not a rare disease at all, a rare disability at all. But what you do in this book is you take those very same things that your mother gave us the technical framework and background for, and you make it immediately accessible, even, I would think, to a child. You, you have Will, you have Tashi, 
Did you say Toshi or Tashi? Tashi. Tashi. Oh, oh, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I said his name. Oh, dear. That's all right. um, okay. Tashi. Well, you write from the dog's point of view. In second grade, when he was infected, Will could not go into the cafeteria if there was fruit on the floor. When he was not well in fifth grade, Will could not enter his classroom if there were pencils on the floor. There are always pencils on the classroom floor, you write. And then the next page, you draw three faces of just with their simple uh, characteristics. You can tell they're very different kinds of friends, <laughs> you know? And it says, since Will is such a cool kid, he had good friends who would run around and clean up the pencils so he would not get stuck in the doorway. So just tell us, if you can, what that experience was like. You had this difficult situation that you had to deal with every day. And how, how did you get through it? Well, the situation, I didn't like dealing with it. It was, it seems like now looking back, it's, it seems really stupid. But, like, back then I just couldn't, like, function with my OCD and all these things triggering it. Um, I liked, I think Tashi helped me get through that a lot. And also I have grown and I have known to control my OCD more. But back then it was just such a a big barrier preventing me from getting to my work and preventing others from getting to my work, which is not okay. So I'm really glad I've come this far and I can, and I'm not stopping people from learning. I'm not stopping myself from learning. Will mentions OCD, and I think that's really important because that's one of the number one characteristics that parents and teachers see this instantaneous onset of really debilitating compulsions that just don't make sense. Many of us have things that we like to do when we have things that we like a certain way. And Will still is that way. You know, his room looks like a museum with all of his things and he's very neat and he's incredibly well organized. Um, but I noticed when you emptied your pockets before the podcast, you put everything in its place. Everything in its place. And that's a good thing. Those are functional things. When you can't cross the threshold of a classroom because there are pencils on the floor and they're not supposed to be there. It was that type of debility you know, anxiety and compulsions that is such a hallmark of this diagnosis. Um, you know, one of the reasons, too, we talk about, and I, I write a note at the start of the book, um, you know, Gilderland Central Schools, especially at Linwood Elementary School when we were back there, were incredible at wanting to understand and wanting to help. And they would let me go in with the school psychologist, Dr. Schnur, who is a beautiful, beautiful person, and we would tell the classmates about Will's condition. And he allowed us to do that. You know, he said, I want them to understand even as a little guy. And so that would empower kids. You know, it's not this, we can't talk about this. And we see that so often with so many of our childhood diagnoses, people don't want to say it out loud. And I said, well, we have an opportunity to teach. And when you empower children by giving them the behavior to do instead, by telling them, this is what you're going to see in Will, and this is how you can help him. They did it immediately and beautifully and sweetly, again, running in to pick up pencils and to scan the room before he would go in. He had true peer networking and true social support every step of the way. And that's why he's here today. And that's why he's going to Siena College in oh, the fall. And yeah. So what are you planning on studying there? I'm not entirely sure yet. I'm either going, well, part of me wants to go into law, but... 
all those want be all the parts of me want to become an author. So I'm not entirely sure what I'm going I'm going to do yet. Well, it's a good age to not be sure of what you want to do because you can explore so many different options and figure it out. So is Tashi going to go with you when you go to Siena? Yes, he is. Oh, that's Tashi. great. Tashi. So tell me about the name, and I shouldn't say it again because I'll <laughs> trigger the dog, but how did you name the dog yourself, or is that did Tashi come with his name? Tashi came with his name, and... At Canine Companions, people donate large amounts of money to name dogs, and all the dogs are pre-named, so, and that's to help them train. So I did not choose his name, but I still love him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a good name. Yeah, it's it a is. great name, and the origin of the name is actually Japanese, and it's a term of endearment for a baby. And when we met Tashi, I said, oh, it sounds like a Pokemon. That's going to be perfect for Will. <laughs> with this Japanese name but every and Danny can talk about this every litter is named for a letter so every one of Tashi's siblings is a T and ironically we're raising Tenny the second right now so all of Tenny's siblings are T's and we actually have one of Tenny's brothers being raised in the capital district by very dear friends of ours the Anagnostopoulos family who was inspired by the work Will and Danny were doing and now they're raising Tex so we get Tenny and Tex being raised together as well and they'll all be at the book signing Next week. So, yes, that's a good segue. We should talk about the book signing in case listeners want to go. Tell us where it is and what you plan to do there. Well, the book signing is going to be at Colony Center, and there's going to be, like, snacks there. There's going to be a lot of other dogs since it's pet-friendly. I'm going to be there just... I'm going to be signing books. And are you going to read some from your book? Is it a reading as well or just a signing? We have been told to expect a very large crowd and that it's going to be hard to do a reading with the acoustics in the mall outside the entrance to Macy's. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been invited perhaps to do an author visit to Linwood. Um, So he'll have other opportunities to do readings, but I think it's going to be a signing and it's going to be a party atmosphere because we are celebrating Tashi's seventh birthday at the book signing. So throughout the years, we'll has hosted a birthday party on Tashi's birthday every year um, to raise money for Canine Companions. So that's been one of the ways in which he's raised funds in the past. So before we travel to talking about Canine Companions more, and I hope Dan will chime in as the puppy trainer, can you just tell us the time that this is taking place so people know? Noon. High noon. That's easy to remember. Okay. So, Dan... Tell us a little about the three puppies you have raised or are raising and a little more about canine companions. So my first puppy was Jem, the fifth. Uh, She was probably the most energetic we've had, but (laughs) she's always been anxious. And that's one of the reasons she got sent home from advanced training. Uh, We're trying to get her certified as a Emotional support animal? No, no therapy not. dog. Not emotional support. Therapy dog. Um, Canine Companions is doing an extension program because so many of their dogs get released for a multitude of reasons. Um, she ironically has a form of a sensory integration issue, and she's she couldn't tolerate the vest and the collar. Even though she did it all with Danny training her, she couldn't transfer that alpha and that training once she went into the larger session. Because once we have them for 18 months, they go into advanced training for six months with the re- 
real trainers. And then they get matched, which is what Will's book talks about. So our darling Jemmy came home because as they like to say, she chose a life with her family over a life of service, but she is going to be repurposed as a therapy dog. She already comes to my office and goes to my husband's law firm um, to do that work because that's where she trained. But... Um, she gets to be Danny's forever dog. Oh, wow. So that had a happy ending in a different way. So then um, who was your dog, next dog that you trained? So the next dog I had was Illini, named for uh, University of Illinois. Yes. And he was like a superstar compared to the other two. <laughs> he had like the most drive to work. He was very sweet. Um, he was always good in public. And now he's working with a veteran who came home with PTSD, and I'm very proud of him. Yeah. So, I just what does the training consist of? Your mother mentioned some kind of a collar, I think. What like what do you do with the dog to get the dog ready for the next step of advanced training? So we bring them into public, uh, like just whenever we're going out to like get groceries or something, and they have to be calm, they can't be a distraction, they have to always stay by our side, and they just have to get used to it. And when we're at home, we're gonna uh, spend like multiple times a week reinforcing commands that they have learned. Uh, Do you give them treats or affection yeah. or, yeah, treats? It's all positive reinforcement. I see. So you're learning a little psychology as you're doing this. A lot <laughs> of psychology, yeah. yes. I bet that makes your mother happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very. So a big part of your book, Will, is this actual experience where Tashi, and I love the dog's point of view, saw you and knew you were his boy <laughs> and wanted you. But from your point of view, could you just describe to us what it was like? Where did you travel to and how did you feel going through that whole experience? Um, so we, the training center was in Long Island, so it was a long trip to get there. And it, Did you drive down yes. with your family? Yeah. Yes. And part of the training is you have to stay in the dorms for two whole weeks to get used to the dogs. And to, you have to go to, like, lectures every day and, like, classes. You had, you had free time, but you also had a lot of work to do. And they'd bring out dogs, and they'd make them do commands so you could learn how to do the commands. They also, so they also had this like giant like mess hall where you could like eat. They did give us breaks and they, there's been some, there were some points of the training where they'd take us to stores and match us up with dogs and we'd go through commands with them. And there's the, there's this room where it's like a big hall that you like, they'd seat us down and they'd basically like show dogs like picking things up and like doing all these commands. It was, very interesting. It was, I enjoyed it because it was unique and I feel like it helped me really bond with my dog and it helped others really bond with their dogs. But CCI says you don't choose a dog, they choose you and that's how they match, they pair the person with the dog. It does feel like a love story. I mean, even without the added service dog element, I know what it's like to feel like that dog was meant for you. Does it worry you because Tashi will, of course, get older and at some point not be there? Have you thought about what happens after that? Yes, I have, but I know Tashi will eventually get old one day. I've decided 
to not get another service dog because Tashi has helped me come so far and I I do want another service dog but I wouldn't feel right taking another one since I don't need one especially when other people do need them. Aren't you a selfless young man? Wow, that's really incredible. So just tell us a little bit more about putting this book together. Did it? Did you write the narrative first and then do the illustrations? Or since you're kind of an artist at heart, did the pictures come and then the words? And how did you put it all together? What was the process? Well, at first I just I started writing down ideas, like things I've done with Tashi, like going to the training for two weeks, Tashi going to my father's house with me, um, Tashi going to the doctor's appointments with me. I just started writing down ideas and trying to, like, add some, like, what's the word, flair to them. Humor. And humor. And then... And you do. You do have humor. And I love it because whenever a big word comes up, like, you say, you know, your mother is talking and what was the word? Oh, gosh. You said... uh, Will's body is chronically, parentheses, that's a big word. It means always fighting infection. <laughs> that's very, it's fun to read. Go ahead. So I did, I did have the words before I had the pictures. Most of the book was written before uh, the pictures were made. There's like some things we had to go back and add or like change things up. But the pictures came after because it allowed me to like, focus on what I wanted the vision to be to match with a page so I could see what the page says and it'd be much easier for me to make a picture up for it. Yeah, well, do you have a favorite picture in this book? I'll tell you mine if I can find it. <laughs> it's just so simple. It's, it's a grooming picture, I think. It's the dog on one side and the brush that just looks almost like a shining torch. Oh, I can't find the page. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I just love it. Will liked to groom me. I liked it, too. It felt like I just shed it off my fur. He kept saying I was a good boy and that I was going to look pretty after he was done. And here is this portrait of a dog. And just by the expression in his eye, you know, you can see it's just crinkled with happiness. And as I say, the brush looks like a shining torch. What, like, how did you think through that image as you were working on it? Well, so for Tashi, I'm like, hmm, how should I brush this but make it funny, make it look relatable? Then I decided to give him a unique hairstyle and make <laughs> what the, instead of using the brush that we usually use to groom them, I made a, a brush that humans would use and try to, like, personify him in a way give him give him like a human characteristic of getting brushed like getting his hair done yeah and it works it's really fun I mean lots of the images and then it's interspersed with actual photographs of you as a boy and you can just see the way the two of you you and your dog just seem like one it's it's just wonderful another favorite illustration is A day or two went by, and all I could think about was that boy and when is dinner. (laughs) So you have this dog that immediately wanted you, true love, but at the same time, you realize as you wrote this that he's a dog. (laughs) And you have a picture of him with wide eyes looking at his bowl of food. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's just really a wonderful book. Who do you hope will read this book? Um... Well, I hope, I hope people with, 
I hope, well, it's a book for children, so I'm hoping that it's, I also hope, well, I hope people that don't have a big understanding on, like, Pandas and Pans will read it, and I'll, I hope people that, like, are afraid to get service dogs will read it. It's, I did say it was, uh, it was made to give people, to encourage people with disabilities to get service dogs. So I'm, ho I'm hoping that, like, psychiatrists, psychi yeah, psychiatrists and doctors read it so they get a better understanding of the condition of pandas and pans, and I'm hoping that people with or without service dogs read it so that they can become more educated in service dogs and this great organization that's changed the lives of so many people. And just to reiterate, that is Canine Companions. Yeah. And um, Dan, do you have any thoughts about after you know, Will has moved on to college and the rest of life? Are you going to keep up this? dog training that you've become so good at or is this just a passing thing with you or have you got thoughts about the future of your life i definitely want to keep raising dogs i might even raise them in college on my own uh it's gonna be weird without will and tashi here because Tashi's such a good example for the puppy yeah but i think is will a good example for you shrug <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. So it's going to be a bit more difficult, but I feel like with all the experience from the three dogs I've had so far, it should be fine. Yeah, well, I wish I had done as well with my dogs as you have done with yours. I think it's you learn a lot about yourself when you're training a dog, don't you think? Yeah. What maybe we could just close out with what you two think you've learned from your dogs. Well, what I think I've learned is I've learned sorry. I've learned to like control my impulses and my OCD a lot more thanks to Tashi. I've also learned a lot more responsibility cuz he I can't take him to, I couldn't take him to school because I I wasn't old enough to be my own handler. So I'd, when I came home from school, I had to let him out of the kennel, get him water, take him out. It taught me a lot of responsibility. And the puppies also taught me responsibility because when, when they're really young, when, you're, when, when you let them out, you have to go out with them because they're prey to the bigger animals. So you have to be vigilant. And also, you have to, like always, you have to pick them up before they, go, they, used to, they poop on the floor. <laughs> Tashi and the puppies have taught me a lot of responsibility. How about you, Dan? Uh, the thing that I've like learned the most is definitely patience with the puppies. Uh, like, they're not going to get the the commands right away. You got to be patient with them. You got to just help them as much as you can. And someday they're going to be really good at it, and that's going to be a big part of them making it into the program. Oh, one, one more thing it taught me is. It is okay to fail because you can always try again, and that is what something Jem taught us because she didn't make it. But we tried again, and Line I did make it. <laughs>